Welcome to On the Couches. We are so excited that you're here. I'm Jeff, I'm the lead pastor of Movement Church. And our whole heartbeat behind On the Couches is that we actually just want to have a conversation centered around faith that has that is applicable to today, to what's happening in our culture today. Our desire is that you would hear us just kind of wrestle through stuff. And, and, and we aren't always in agreement on what we believe and how we get there, but we like to have these conversations and wrestle through how does the Bible make sense in today's culture? How do I apply these ancient truths to what's happening in my life in this moment? moment. And so really, I hope you enjoy these conversations. And in fact, I hope you wrestle with us. I hope that you also are wrestling through some of these things and asking some harder questions. And we would love to hear from you. If you would do us a favor and hit the uh, subscribe button and maybe even leave us a question in the comments. It would mean the world to us. And if you've got ideas for future episodes of stuff you're asking, let us know those. We would love to hear. Now, I'm excited to be joined today by John and Jonathan. Both of them are on staff here at Movement Church, and we actually just uh, have an awesome time just hanging out as friends. We get the opportunity to work together and, and really kind of our worlds of work really intertwine with Jonathan doing all of the communications for our organization and John Slater doing all of the worship uh, for worship and creative arts for our, our area. So we really, with me doing all of the preaching and, and that, we really kind of spent a lot of time wrestling through ideas. And that's how this podcast was actually birthed was we would be getting meeting and talking about, you know, what's, what are we doing? here in this sermon series or where we're going and then we would rabbit trail off and rabbit trail off and actually producer Isaiah multiple times is like man I just wish we could record these conversations producer like, Isaiah. you know what we could do that and so that's kind of the heartbeat of where we're going and so I'm excited for today's conversation today's conversation we're going to talk about the scariest what I believe to be the scariest Bible verse in the entire Bible I I remember kind of reading this as an early follower of Christ and hitting this verse and being like, oh my goodness, what does this mean? Now, before I jump into that, have either of you been in a scary moment in church? Like I, I remember kind of being really young. There was a traveling ministry that used to travel around. I won't mention them by name, uh, Heaven's nice. Gates, um, because <laughs> Shout I, you out know, Canning family, right? <laughs> yes, I'm friends with a lot of, but, <laughs> but that when I was like seven years old, I saw that production and it mm. scared me like out the wazoo. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, and, and it, like, I found Jesus for like about two days and then it kind of fell away. But, but what about you guys? Have you ever had one of those kind of scared moments where you're sitting in church and like maybe learn about rapture or anything like that? I want uh, bonus points because I wasn't actually in a church building. We actually like went out of our way to go to this. There used to be, you know how they like at Christmas time, you do like Bethlehem walks. Yes. Um, so there was a church. I can't remember where they were. They were somewhere up in Northern Ontario showed up. We, the North, we, the real North, <laughs> the real um, <laughs> where I was raised. And there's a church that did uh, an Easter walk. And so you would walk through and it's basically like the passion of the Christ, but you're like walking <laughs> is intense. And like they had a guy up on a cross and three guys up on crosses in not a lot of clothing with like fake blood down their bodies, like full send. Um, and I, I distinctly remember they put one of my family members, I think it was one of my parents, in the stocks as like part of the thing. <laughs> like it was just part of this. And I, as a kid, I was like, the heck? What are you, That's what traumatizing. Are you oh! <laughs> Anyways, and so yeah, it was intense. I couldn't have been much older than like seven or eight so years So you're old. like, dad has been arrested and he's going to be crucified with Jesus. Yeah, 10 out of 10, which is weird because my dad was a crown attorney and I was like, no, you're, <laughs> you're the ultimate source of justice. Why are you? Yeah, anyways, it was fun. Yeah. I think as like an early teen, like, 
like required reading was the Left Behind series. Oh, oh. And I just remember you know like... What? That's where everyone's end time theology is from <laughs> Left Behind, which is so, not a good theology. You can tell how long you've been a Christian if you've been exposed to Kirk Cameron and Left Behind. Oh, I read every one of those books. Yeah. Every one of those books. Yeah. Oh, I watched the movies too. I want bonus oh. points. Oh, there we go. And the and the movie with Nick Cage. My my mom used to work at the Gospel Lighthouse. Yes. And so that, that was like in, in Ontario, that was like the bookstore you go to for Christian reading. And so I remember like being there during her shifts and reading this book and like, am I going to get left behind? Like, that's, that's pretty traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, but the book actually took the opposite way. There was a part of the books, once you really get like, man, I kind of want to be left behind. There's look, some at, cool, look at all the yeah. adventures they get to do. Oh, this would actually be way cooler than no. going to heaven. I, mean, just, gonna... <laughs> I would literally walk into a room and if the people that I was expecting to be in that room were not in that room, I'd be like, there it is. Cool. I got left behind. Well, I, I'm old enough, so I'm 45, so I'm old enough that I just was on the end of that uh, movie, The uh, what was it? I think it was called Left Behind, or in the Thief of the Night. Oh, Thief right. of the Night that came out. This is an old school black and white movie, and churches would show it on Sunday night as like, we're going to scare everybody. And I remember being like, oh my goodness, like, we're going to get left behind. I'm never going to a movie theater. I'm never going yeah, to a Yeah, more importantly, you were in a movie theater, so what are you doing? <laughs> Proud of you for telling on yourself. That's awesome. Did you ever wake up, like, on a Saturday and maybe your family went out grocery shopping and you're like, everyone's gone. I missed it. Like, 100%. Have, have you had 100%. that? 100%. I mean, most of the time as a kid waking up on Saturday mornings, I would wake up, my dad would be playing Keith Green downstairs oh, as loud as he could I wish be he'd on our, ready. Oh, he played piano so he would like just be worshiping and it'd be you know Saturday morning at nine o'clock and just like full send you know there is a redeemer Keith Green that's how I was raised so so if I didn't what? hear that mama dad was. thank you so much for yeah. not raising me like that I'm just oh, throwing that wow. <laughs> it's called spiritual heritage it's wonderful well wow. okay um, yeah so I want to jump into this scripture verse. Uh, if you are a new believer maybe you've never heard this before if you've been around the block like I said, I remember the first time I read the scripture verse and it it scared me mm -hmm. because I was like, man, where where is the security of my salvation? And so it's found in Matthew 7 and it's verse 21 and it says this, it says, uh, and this is Jesus talking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. The first time I read that, and even now, like there's, there's this, this verse haunts me even in ministry, is this idea that, man, like these are followers of Christ to some extent, mm -hmm. right? They're people that are saying, hey, like, we call you Lord, right? So we've, we've defined you as Lord. We, we call you that, and it was by name. And they're saying that they've actually done you know, things in God. They've prophesied in God's name. They've, they've driven out demons in God's name. And God is turning and saying, depart from me. Mm -hmm. like he, he's turning and saying, like, that's great that you've done that, but because you don't do the will of my Father, I actually never knew you. And it put me in this spot like, can we really be people who are doing the work of the ministry, you know, being disciples of Christ, following Jesus, and Jesus is like, sorry, your heart wasn't right, you're not with me. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're like, well, for me as a young preacher, I remember going, man, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? How, like, am I, you know, and there's this whole security of, am I just wasting my time and giving my heart to God and, and my life to Jesus? And now I'm going to actually end up not in heaven anyways, 
you know, and, and how does that work? Have you guys wrestled with this scripture verse? We have wrestled with this scripture verse. I'm proud of you. I saw you put it on the slate for a show, and I was like, excellent, because we have okay. wrestled this scripture numerous times over the years, and it's it's a healthy wrestle. It's an important wrestle. I think it's um, a difficult conversation to have because immediately there is securities involved in it, right? And just like, how do I how do I like read this in scripture and actually apply it to my life without kind of feeling insecure about my salvation, about the relationship that I have with the Lord? I think it's worth reading it. This is something that I've been doing a lot of my own personal life. I'll you know we'll read it. I think that was the ESV that you read. NIV. In. NIV. And what I'll do is I'll read that in more of a, a proper translation, and then I'll also read it in a paraphrase. And so like I was reading this morning, Matthew 7, um, in the message, which is a great paraphrase that we use on a regular basis, and something that is great to supplement uh, as you're reading scripture. So it says this, knowing the correct password, saying, master, master, for instance, isn't going to get anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me saying, Master, we preach the message. Ironic, a little pun there from Eugene Peterson. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You mm -hmm. don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Dinah. That's pretty graphic. Right. And I love how like in that in that context, he's saying you, you preached my name, you bashed out demons, you did all these super spiritual crusades, all the things you, you did it, you're, you mm -hmm. know, you, you, but you say you're doing it in my name, but you missed it. You mm -hmm. missed the boat. And that's 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 a, like an alarming thing that as as a church leader you got to take that with a weight a heaviness right you got to take that with some seriousness are we missing the boat right I think it's I think it's when we were talking about earlier you know like the Left Behind series I don't think we need to be driven by fear but I do think no. we have to. Uh, have a, a holiness and a, a reverence towards what we're doing. This right? feels like something that keeps coming up in our conversations, not just here on the couches, but also uh, just as we're kind of passing and having you know, conversations about what God is doing inside of our hearts and our relationships with him mm -hmm. is this call in this season um, you know, to just examining our motives and actually yeah. understanding um, why we're doing something, even a call towards an understanding of purity and holiness in our lives as, as the Lord is leading us individually. Um, I was actually sharing with like our, our worship family this past weekend, we have like a zoom call. We just all hang out and chat and make sure that everybody's still, you know, killing it. And, uh, I was sharing from Isaiah and I was sharing in the message as well. I think Isaiah chapter one is another one of these kind of scriptures that we're all relatively familiar with. If we've been, um, reading scripture for a longer season. Um, and basically God's talking to the Israelite people and is basically rebuking them for what their religion has become. But, you know, once again, I read it in, you know, I'm I, an ESV junkie right now. I've been reading a lot of ESV um, and then read it again in the message. And what it just really, really shocking. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because I want to get back to Matthew. But it's like, this is not the first time that God has said this to people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It said this, quit your worship charades, which immediately I was like, we could just stop there for half a second and just talk about that. But <laughs> I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbath, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on singing. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I won't be listening. And do you know why? 
because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are filthy. Go home and wash up, clean up your act, sweep your lives clean of your evil doing so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong, learn to do good, work for justice, help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, go to bat for the defenseless. And I was like, oh, and when we started talking a few days ago about Matthew 7 and started kind of re-wrestling that once again, um, I was reminded of that scripture in Isaiah to be like, man, God has been consistently, you know, pressing this button inside of his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really care for, you know, all of your you know, special events, like if we contextualize it to 2021, I don't care for your special events or your live streams or your podcasts or all that kind of jazz, if those are going to come without actually you living rightly before me and living a life of holiness that's set apart to me and knowing me and being in relationship with me, I, I actually would rather you not do those. Malachi actually even talks about that. In Malachi, he actually says, you know what? It's actually better for you not to meet than for you to be meeting under all these false pretenses. That's right. Fair. Right. So I, I think that's the first thing I want to talk about the scripture verse. I think that is so important to talk about for, for whether it be like you mentioned church leaders and it's something I wrestle through, but anybody who's following Christ is this concept of, um, what is our motives right. for what we're doing, yeah. right? Like, like e- even e- e- like I mean, I'm going to peel it way back to as basic as basic as it, as it gets and hit on some some um, humanistic mindsets, humanisms. Like, there's people who are like, I I'm a follower of Christ because I don't want to go to hell, <laughs> right? Right. Sure. My my whole desire is that I'm following Christ because I know hell is a bad spot, mm-hmm. and I know Jesus offers heaven, and heaven sounds way better than hell. So my motive for following Christ is purely of I don't want to go to hell, mm-hmm. right? Right, and I believe in this scenario that again, what what's happening is we're missing we're missing the point. That's right. Right, the motive there is humanistic in the mm-hmm. sense that it's it's actually about me trying to get something for nothing. That's it. Right, it's about me trying to protect myself and protect my investment or protect my future. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it's still self centered, self centric mindsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus didn't just come you know, to rescue us from eternal damnation. And if we, if we, that is, that is the foundation Mm -hmm. of, of our faith, Mm -hmm. that, that sacrifice that he made, he sacrificed his life for us. But he actually, on top of that, came to model a way of living, right? Right. And I feel like as, as the church, we sometimes, we preach, you know, fear and like, you know, you're going to hell, repent, repent, repent. <laughs> and that's important. Mm. Like repentance is important. That's the 100%. foundation of our faith. But we, we, don't, we don't major on here's how you live your life. Here's mm. how you can conduct yourself. Here's how you walk in love. And, and I think that, you know, th- this verse, uh, you know, depart from me, I never knew you is because we miss the mark. We miss the boat as the church, as leaders, right? And it, you know, how you win someone is how you, you know, how you keep them, right? And if you keep, you know, winning people, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing people into the kingdom because you're, you're preaching fear, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to live their lives in fear. And we don't want that. We actually, you know, Christ came that we might have freedom and liberty, right? And so I think there's, it's a tension and a balance that we have to weigh as leaders. And I think it's something that as Christ followers, when, when we're, you know preaching the good news to the people around us when we're when we're trying to you know demonstrate god's love we we have to do it that way mm-hmm. we have to do it in love yeah not just truth right? and repentance gets a really bad rap right repentance has native like if you were to sit down and say repent 
there's negative connotations that automatically just kind of, that sounds scary. That sounds, but in, in reality, and we've actually been talking about this for the last couple of months, you know, inadvertently and in different ways and talking about this idea of like Jesus actually asking us to do a heart check to have our identity found inside of, of him and to walk as citizens of a different kingdom whose lives model different values and characteristics and beliefs. Right. Um, but this idea of repentance is actually a really beautiful mm-hmm. idea. It's, a, it's an idea of submitting to an authority that's beyond you and saying, God, I've actually been trying in my own strength. I've been trying um, in, in my own you know, desires, my motives. They haven't been pure. And I want to choose what you've told me and how you've told me to walk over what even my like natural desires would be. Awesome. And so I, not, I'm not just asking for forgiveness. I'm genuinely repenting. I want to turn from this pathway, which I thought was amazing. I thought was great. And I want to turn towards this. And that doesn't necessarily even mean um, well, I was going to say that doesn't necessarily even mean sin in the largest sense. I think we we always think about repentance as like you did something terrible and wrong, and that action is going to re- that could be like a, a mindset, mm, right? Like we've even having that conversation recently, the two of us, along with some of our other songwriters. Mm-hmm. It's like what what are our motives for the songs that we're writing? Right. If, if our motives for the songs we're writing are anything less than leading people into the presence of Jesus. God, I repent for that mindset. That's right. That's, that's on me. And I actually want to walk in purity and walk in motives that are led by you, your presence, and advancing your kingdom and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I've had, I've had a whole bunch of conversations lately with people who have either walked away from faith or in the journey of walking away from faith, given up on church. And, and the thing that comes back to most of the time that I wrestle through them, I mean, hurt is a major one, but one of them also is that idea of legalistic preaching, right? That there, it, it, the conversations keep coming around this idea of, man, it just felt like the pastors had these hobby horses or these ministers had these hobby horses and they would preach these things that weren't even necessarily true, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, they preach these ideas or these concepts that, that they will just take flimsily and just throw in all this guilt and this conviction to and determine this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And I've been confronted with that because I'm like, okay, how how do you, because I don't think the average leader or pastor or parent or whatever, I don't think their goal is actually to to create a stain on the bride of Christ. Okay. I don't think their goal is by preaching, you know, a holiness mindset, like if you go to a movie or you do this, and like you're out, like these are this is what it means to be. I don't think their goal actually is that. I think mm-hmm. their goal is to draw people close to Jesus. But what I think happens is, and and I can just talk as a leader uh, of a church, but you can talk about this as a parent. Mm -hmm. The the reality is Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, when we're dealing with faith, it it can feel like an abstract thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because it it can feel like, how do I know if, if, if the people I'm leading how do I know if they're walking in righteousness? How do I know if their their heart is bent towards God, right? As a parent, how do you know that your kids are are, are actually gleaning scriptural principles and, mm-hmm. and godly desires? How do you know that? Well, the natural thing is to create the list, right? Well, okay, right. I know that my people or my kids are living for Jesus because they don't do this, they don't, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't chew, hang out with those who do, right? Like, oh, come like on. I, I know that they're living for Christ because of that. Or I know they're living for Christ because I see them every morning do their devotions, I see them every morning read the Bible, I see them every morning pray, I see them give money to the church, I see them serve in Sunday school, therefore I know my kids. And, and we can kind of do that, right? And so you, you preach, and I'm not saying the heart is necessarily wrong or you teach, 
but there's an element of it. I'm trying to make sure that my kids or my family mm-hmm. or my church is walking out. I think that the, you know, you go to what Jesus's time, he, he's confronting the Pharisees, right? And the Sadducees, he, he's confronting these leaders, these church leaders who made a habit of this. Mm-hmm. They, they took the 10 commandments, mm-hmm. right? And what they took and said, okay, well, when we know as a people of Israel, when we follow the 10 commandments, God's blessing and favor is upon us. Mm-hmm. And when we break the 10 commandments, God, God's blessing and favor isn't upon us. So our heartbeat is to actually have God's favor and blessing, which is there's the motive that's wrong. Right. right? Uh, But it's, so therefore we will create laws around the 10 commandments Mm -hmm. so that we never break the 10 commandments. Mm -hmm. Right. And we get to the spot that there was 300 and something laws built out of 10 that were Mm -hmm. insane laws. I don't think the intent of the religious people, and I'm really speculating that they're like, well, we just want to hurt our people and, no, I think the initial idea was we want to we want to walk in godliness, and this is how we can enforce that to happen. Yeah, I don't think that the motive of like achieving the favor and blessing of God is a bad motive inherently, right? Like I think that, that that's good. Like I personally want the favor and blessing of God in my life. I think that it's we convince ourselves that religion, the checklist, mm-hmm. is easy because then I'll know if I've got it or not. I, it's, uh, a, it's a pulse check, right? Right. How many how many check marks did I get this yeah. week? Oh yeah, then I'm gonna have a good week, right? right? There's this weird kind of like, and, and that know. itself is fear, right? Sure. I have you know I'm checking this list off. Oh, okay, I'm safe, right? I, if I don't check Whew. this list off, I'm not safe, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas God is calling us to a relationship, right? right. Um, I I've been watching. Uh, you kind of uh, put me on this. Oh. The, the chosen. Shout it um, out right now. The chosen Let's go. producer Isaiah so binging there, it. There's a lot of bad Christian you know oh, videos, man, like just I bad produce. You. And I have like an appreciation for people who do it well, like cinematography wise, and the storytelling in the chosen. Um, the first couple episodes, it, you know, it, it walks through the lives of the disciples. And, mm-hmm. one, you know, there's a lot of fishermen, right? And the reality is they have bills to pay. They had taxes to pay. Um, you know, they had to pay money to the Roman Empire. Um, and, and what I love about the way they framed it is, like, um, the religious people of the day would say, you cannot work on, on the Sabbath, right? But I still have bills to pay. I still have to put food on the table. And so... Th- you know, it, it, it creates, they show this tension of the disciples, you know, having to, you know, pay their bills, um, but, you know, follow these rules um, from these religious leaders. And I think mm-hmm. that it just, it, that kind of like resonates with this conversation that, that yes, the heart behind not working on the Sabbath was because God does intend the Sabbath for us, you know, the, the Sabbath is holy, you know, in the Ten Commandments, it says, keep the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, often in lives, especially, you know, with the craziness of what we do, mm-hmm. I sometimes neglect that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to heaven. If I, you know, like, it means that I need to work towards improving. Mm-hmm. We all have our shortcomings, but, mm-hmm. but you know, the heart is to have a relationship with God. The heart is repentance. The heart mm-hmm. is that in relationship that we access an ability um, to, you know, to grow closer to God and, and improve our lives. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, follow this rule or you go to hell. Yeah. Right? But can yeah. I also push back to because the rules is one side of it yeah. that I think has created a lot of damage, and a lot of hurt. Yeah. Um, but I also want to get a little bit into the charismatic Let's do it, pressure. Yeah. Okay. Because, oh, the, it, in some charismatic circles, sure. manifestations give you a sign of 
of your holiness or your how close you are to Jesus. You know, there's a mistake of like, hey, I, you know, I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and then I got slain in the Spirit, and then I got prophetic words, and then I got. And it's like, oh man, this person's really spiritual because mm. it's like you're putting badges on that's, your, that's on, a, your on your on your vest. You know, you're crusaders. at a, a clubs, old school crusaders, very old school crusaders. crusaders. Okay, let's go oh, for wow. a more generic reference: yeah. the Boy Scouts of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but I was more. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, it kind of happens that way. Sure. Right. And and also people are like, Yeah, I, I want to get filled or I want this and, and, and they're they're looking with almost jealousy and wanting the, not mm-hmm. wanting the relationship, wanting that experience. But you hinted at something that I think is really important. That Uh-oh. is that is in the book of Isaiah, and I think is mm-hmm. actually in, in this Matthew. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to focus so much on leaders because this I recognize everyone listening to this is, is a pastor, but this is the danger of leadership when you want the crowd. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Or, right. or the danger of living uh, a life in relationship with Jesus when you're seeking after the manifestations and you're seeking after the things and the coolness of it. And I think that's something that each of us has to wrestle individually because those are incredible moments. Mm-hmm. So you never want to devalidate somebody you know, who had a unique and discrete experience with Holy Spirit. Right. right? Uh, I know in, in my life, you know, I, I've had the I just had the pleasure, I guess, just the privilege of being in moments where I felt like the presence of the Lord was so tangible and thick in the room that actually couldn't stand up anymore. Right. And, you know, and we would, we might call that in the church being slain in the spirit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, yeah, I guess that's technically what it was. If you're going to try to put a label on it. Um, now if I walk into every worship experience corporately and hope to have that again, what I've done is I've created an idol of the manifestation or have you created an idol of if you're a leader you created an idol of having a large gathering or a large following or or influence and and this is what jesus is hinting at even in matthew 7 or hinting at he's pretty bold about it right he's like you did all the things you were a superstar christian you were super spiritual good for you and i love how he says in the message like get out of here yeah. i don't even i don't even know you right because at the end of the day jesus is calling us to a level of being and not doing Right, the doing flows naturally out of the being, but he's saying, "I wanted to know you. I wanted to have a relationship with you." I, and, and you never invest in all that kind of stuff. What What is really interesting? Okay, I'm going to rabbit trail us super quick. We can come back. What's interesting is these people are Jesus is saying, "I never knew you," but they were still able to do the stuff. That's, That's right. Yes, it's because it's a checklist, right? When right. you make it a checklist, there's an opportunity for you to. I think it's more than the checklist. I actually think though that there there is inside every one of us a desire to have influence. Mm. I think every person battles mm. with that, or or maybe not every. I, I, that may be too over. Generalized, but majority of people battle with the desire to have influence mm-hmm. and and to feel like they matter, mm-hmm. and and when you get into this this circle, yeah. it's easy to be like, whose kingdom am I building? Right? right, we ask that all the time. Are we building a castle? Or are we building the kingdom? That's right, right. Yeah. Um, and and it's really easy, especially as 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 a parent or as a leader, you know, like I want my kids to act a certain yeah. way and look good. So as it makes me look good as a right. parent that my yeah. kids can mm-hmm. recite the Bible. And I just, know all the I just want books. influence over my son, Levi's or potty training him. I just want him to believe <laughs> and, what I, and that fight for influence creates an opportunity for infighting right within the sure. body of Christ. The reality is like, we all have different expressions. There's so many mm-hmm. different flavors mm-hmm. of church, right? You yeah. know, I love what Augustine said. He said in essentials, unity and mm-hmm. non-essentials, liberty and then in everything oh, charity I can't, right I can't. you know like 
you know, let's go back to the fact that like we as the church need to get back to fighting for unity, but unity doesn't look like, you know, common, sure. you know, we all speak the same language, Preach. right? There's different expressions, but mm-hmm. we need to fight towards unity. I just think as a leader, it's so easy for me to go, man, I love the hype mm. of the church growing. Yeah. Right. Sure. Listen, COVID was hard. Why? Because all of a sudden I don't see a packed church anymore. Man, was it was it great to have 11, 1,200 people coming on a Sunday, packing yeah. out three Sundays, parking lots full. Yeah. We have to figure out how we're dealing with people getting back onto the highway. We're, we're backed up all the way down Lansdowne and Main Street in our in our community when people are trying mm-hmm. to get into church because it was slow. Like I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And then God's like, really? Mm-hmm. It feels like you're doing this a little bit for yourself then and you're missing mm-hmm. out. Or you talked about it with songwriting, right? Sure. 100%. Like, yeah, I don't this- want to write a song because I'm thinking it's going to be a great one-hit wonder on the mm-hmm. radio. That's right. I want to write, I don't even want to write a song because people themselves are going to listen to it and go, man, that was awesome. Yeah. I want to write a song that goes, God, you are everything. Right. That's and right. Jesus takes it right back to the base level, right? We know that the base unit of human expression is the individual, right? Is, is the person. And he's saying, I really don't care what happened in front of people. Mm-hmm. I don't care what happened in your small group. In your worship experience, I don't care whether how many people are following you, right? On, how many on Twitter social, followers you have, yeah. so whatever. Doesn't Twitter. Matter. I know. Oh, I don't. I mean, All right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's still a thing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's, I don't care Twitter's whether day. you're on. Oh shoot! I was gonna make fun of that. Uh, what's that uh, other one? TikTok that was around for like two days. Parlor. Um, oh, oh, anyways, wow. shout out. <laughs> um, a treehouse or a clubhouse? Club. <laughs> <laughs> These guys all like, hey, can't how do I, how do I join that new social thing, thing Treehouse? I'm like, club Clubhouse, because <laughs> I'm for sure in on the ins. Um, no, but he brings it back to the, the base unit, the individual's like, I wanted to know you. Mm, exactly. I wanted to know John. Yeah. I actually never cared if you ever wrote a song that ever made it anywhere. As long as you were in relationship with me, yeah. it was good. And, and then what I think is so difficult, and you, you guys have talked about it so much, is like there's a fear. The inverse of fear is trust, right? Mm. And so like, when you experience a fear, you're actually saying, like, I don't fully trust. Like, that's an area that is that's being good. pinged and poked. And, right? and, 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 and God loves to poke those areas. You have like 99% all out sold in, and he's like, I'm going to poke the 1%. Yeah. I, I want that because that's the area that you don't trust me in. And, and that's why you're afraid, right? You don't mm. trust me in that. He's like, trust me that in the being, the doing will naturally outflow, yeah. right? Trust me that in, in being in relationship with me, right? And actually knowing me genuinely, yeah. that all the things that will, those will naturally flow out and come out of the relationship that we have, right? That's like, good. I mean, some of the best, I mean, if we're talking songwriting, some of the best songs that, you know, uh, that we've written inside of our culture, and we know this to be true with other people who are writing songs for the local church and even who are writing songs secularly, right? Mm-hmm. Quote unquote, if we're going to use that word, I don't love that word, but, um, right. They, the, the best songs are birthed out of real experiences. Mm. The best songs are birthed out of real moments with the Lord. The best songs are birthed out of a, a moment of worship where something stirred inside of your spirit because you were having communion and, and a relationship encounter with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then you, you got off and you're like, oh man, I've just got this thing circling in my mind. I just got to take a voice. Memo. I'm, I'm working on a song right now that literally was birthed out of that. There was a, a prophetic, spontaneous moment that we had in worship. It was an online experience because, you know, Holy Spirit can still move when it's just online and there aren't, you know, a, there's a crowd in the room, shock and awe. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, we're having this amazing moment of worship and, uh, you know, actually our bass player, Sam Baker, he jumps off the stage and he's, 
got this thing just circling in his mind. And he's like, oh man, and he just it was faithful enough to sit and steward it quickly and just record a little voice memo. But like that was birthed inside of a moment of an encounter that's with good. the Lord where, you know, he's just he's just worshiping. He's yeah. just meeting with God. And yeah. that's that's the heart of the Father for us, yeah. right? Is that relationship, that being, that knowing. That's it. Um, it really takes the pressure off. Yeah. Easier said than done. Takes the pressure off, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. I I think this season, I know like where we're this is being filmed at a time and we keep kind of circling around COVID, but I think this is a pivotal moment in history where the, the church and us as individuals, as mm -hmm. Christ followers need to reprioritize what our focus is on. It, it's on, it, you know, the scripture is build your kingdom on earth as mm -hmm. it is in heaven. That's, that's his kingdom. Do we, do we actually believe that it's not our will, but yours be done, right? right. Do we, do we believe what the text says? Mm -hmm. And if we do, we have to surrender. We have mm -hmm. to surrender and welcome the Holy Spirit. Getting back to live gatherings, right? That's always gonna touch on it. You know, I'm just gonna. I believe that there is there is an importance in live gathering. I believe that the Holy Spirit is present there. Mm -hmm. But if I can't trust that the Holy Spirit can reach someone right where they're at. You know, right. in their day to day, in in watching an episode of this, or you know, in reading their Bible, or mm -hmm. listening to a worship song. If I don't believe that the Holy Spirit can move in that mm -hmm. moment, then this is in my will. Right, and that's that's a right. you problem. That's, that's a not problem. on anybody else, 100%. right? That's that's something that you have to wrestle with the Lord. And I think we've cruxed on it with like I, this idea of like doing this for the people that you know uh, we're leading, or or for your kids, or for mm -hmm. whatever. It's like we want to be able to know and have the checklist so that we can know that they're walking in relationship right. with the yeah. Lord. And it's like you actually you really can't. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Scripture is pretty clear about you. You will see fruit that comes from people's lives as yeah. they're actually you know experiencing that. That's that's yeah. true, right? Like if if you're like I love the Lord passionately with my entire life and all my being, and then you can't stop gossiping. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm just looking for fruit. Like help me understand this. Where's the joy in your life? You know, all, all this kind of thing. Yes, hundred percent. But at the end of the day, I can't truly know someone else's motives mm -hmm. for what they're doing. And so 100%. I'm forced to self-examination and to say, what are my motives and how am, how am I growing closer to the Lord and, and just trusting in Him and well, journeying with you, Him? Two things that come to mind when you're saying this. One is, man, I've always had the picture of a lot of times we look at the person who's righteous in the sense that they, they dress their way, they talk their way, they've got their stuff together, they do all the religious stuff, they're in the church, every single day the church is open. And then you got the homeless drug addict, you know, barely surviving. And like, oh, well, this one's obviously, the, the drug addict guy is obviously not living for Jesus. And the person who's in the church every day obviously is. Mm -hmm. And God's actually saying it has nothing to do with their outward appearance. It's where their heart is bent That's towards. Yeah. The, this religious person may be doing all of it out of check marks. And this drug addict person may be every night crying out to God, God, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I need you. I don't like what I'm doing. And God's like, I'm actually more bent to that That's it. than the religion. The other thing that really hits me out of that conversation is just, you know, we've talked about motives. And the second thing is, is relationship. And I think that's been the hardest thing about COVID that we're seeing that divide take place is, mm -hmm. man, well, I got to get back. And, I, and I, we're getting back to the building. So I'm just put that out there. I'm not finding out. We're getting yeah, back to the building. You was getting some hot water there. Right? Uh, we're getting back to the building. But but that's not the heartbeat of my drive with God. If yeah. I can't find Jesus in my personal prayer life at that's home, right. yeah. my own personal worship, if I need to have the, the big lights and I need to have the big crowd and I need to have mm -hmm. John Slater, not just God of faithfulness and you've already won, but like wow. leading us in worship to the big, uh -huh. then I've actually missed why all of this is supposed to be in existence. Right. And what a great season 
to have to check our motives, right? Like I think we've been talking about this for the last right. almost year now, y'all. When this when this broadcast, it'll be about a year that we've been in this season specifically. And I remember talking to um, our music director, Dusty Hate, shout out. Um, but he, I remember him mentioning, you know, we were probably about three or four weeks into this, you know, COVID season, you know, in Canada. That was like what four years ago? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> it was a little while ago. But and I remember I was kind of originally kind of having the idea that it's gonna be a two week season, then like a four week <laughs> season, then a, you know, all kind of jazz and the frustrations that come from that for sure. But the inverse of that being, man, you know, this season needed to be the length of this season so that we could learn what we need to learn from mm. this season, mm. right? And r- really, really good. He even sent me a text yesterday, um, you know, and it, it, we, were, we were talking, we were just kind of wrestling through some stuff, and he was like, maybe this is actually God putting a brake pedal in your life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Such a prophetic text to be like, this is, you know, you think that's this, and you actually categorize, I remember actually texting him saying, dude, I think that there's some, like, attack happening right now, like the enemy's up to something. And him being like, or it's God just throwing the brake pedal on. Yeah. I'm like, and you can keep putting your foot on the gas and spinning your wheels, or you can right. surrender. Exactly, and it's Whoa. like this is the exa- This is the opportunity to examine your motives. Mm-hmm. This is the opportunity to make sure that your heart is pure before the Lord, mm-hmm. to surrender the things you need to surrender, to repent from the things you need to repent from, to walk forward in relationship with Him, yeah. and then and then you'll start to notice all the striving you've been doing, the hard work, all that kind of jazz. It also starts flowing a lot more easily. Mm-hmm. Well, more this is what I think. So we've talked about the fact that. You know, the scripture verse is dealing with motives. Mm-hmm. It's dealing with a relationship. Mm-hmm. But I also think we'd be admiss to not talk about that. It's also dealing with the, the will of God. That's right. that at, and this is what's normal. All of us have friends that we also emulate, right? Like, the more you hang out with somebody, the more this you is, become uh, like them. Youth pastor, Show Jeff. me your friends right. and I'll show you your future. Come on, Classic. come if on. If I had 10 right? cents for yes, every right. time. But, but here's what I'm getting at is... is if we would put away the wrong motives and go, my only motive, God, is to be closer to you, yeah. we lean into being close to him, he will then bend our heart towards what's important. So to him, which we've read, it's not God isn't about like how big the crowd is. God is about how many people have you impacted for my name. That's right. Oh, this right? is where we always wrestle. This is, this is right? it. He, but, he opened it up. <laughs> okay. But as you lean into Jesus your heart will be bent towards the things his heart is bent for. So your heart will be bent for righteousness, mm-hmm. right? Your heart will be like, no, I, I want, I don't want to live this way. Not because I want the rules. I, I actually, as I'm leaning more into Jesus, my heart is bent towards righteousness. Mm-hmm. Your heart will be bent towards understanding scripture. That's good. Right? Yeah. Because you're like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing my devotions because I have to get my chamber. Yeah. I'm doing it because my heart is bent towards the things Christ is bent towards. Mm-hmm. And then I believe that Jesus is all about reaching the lost or those who are far from grace. That, so as you're leaning into him, your heart will be bent towards those who are far from Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it's really hard to picture someone who, who is like uh, in love with Christ deeply, but rejecting the need to love others as Christ loved them. Right. Right? Like, yeah. like the angry Christian who's angry about everything and fighting everybody. Yeah. And, and I'm like, no, but you've missed the mark. Yeah. Christ would be bending towards those who are far from God, right? He would be lo- wanting to show them love. So I just, I think that, so when it's like, it's all about having a big church service, or it's all about writing the next song, or it's all about raising my kids, mm-hmm. and it's all about this stuff that we're doing so that we can look at, it's all about doing our devotions, doing, that if we miss the mark, that it's also about us being close to Christ so we can be shaped into his image, mm-hmm. that we should have that fruit that reflects Mm-hmm. who he is. So it's not about, I don't want to gossip because good Christians don't gossip. It's, 
I actually don't want to gossip because as I'm bending towards Jesus, as I'm letting him shape my life, I recognize gossip is destructive and it destroys people Mm -hmm. and it hurts. And Christ would never want to do that to people. So therefore I want to, or, or if I'm old school youth pastoring, I don't want to get involved in this, this party or this thing, not because parties are bad, but because I don't want people to misunderstand that that's where life is. I want them to see that life comes through through this, right? Mm-hmm. This is uh, four years of wrestling this scripture with the Reverend Jeff Price. <laughs> this is great. No, I think I think the extremes of this argument are, you know, this scripture is not about what you do; it's about who you are. Cool. That's one side of camp, and it's definitely a camp that I've sat in over on this side of things. And the other argument is, no, no, Jesus was not talking about the stuff, so to speak. He was talking about the main thing. Mm-hmm. You missed the main thing. The main thing was to go into the world and create disciples. You missed it. You did all the flashy stuff. But I think there's a happy medium there that I you're acknowledging is, really yeah, well, 100%. right? Where it's like he's talking about the being, and from the being comes the doing, right? And this 100%. is, and you read this all through the New Testament. You want to talk about the being turning That's the good. doing? Read James. Right, yeah, like yeah. literally, read the the light, fluffy James. It's great, uh, right? But like you, you talk about this idea of the fruit actually manifesting inside of your life because of who you've been transformed to look like. Mm-hmm. You look like Jesus. You act like Jesus because you love Jesus. Because you're close to him. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining us on this conversation. We will probably continue having this conversation mm-hmm. when the cameras stop rolling. <laughs> but the truth is, is our heartbeat, our desire today is that you would look at your own life and go, God, what is the motive behind why I do my devotions? What is the motive behind why I don't listen to this or don't watch that? What is the motive? Because if the motive is about trying to project a image of holiness, if the motive is trying to manipulate God into doing something you want him to do, then you've missed the mark. And I want to encourage you that, that don't, I'm not saying just, you know, well, throw it out with the baby with the bathwater. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, there's so much more life that comes if you move that motive to being about knowing Christ. There's so much, you know, we talked about trust. If you could lean into going, God, I don't want to do devotions just because I only need the check mark to feel good about myself. I actually want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I may even put that as a challenge. Read the book of James. It's such a powerful book to wrestle through and to dig into and, and to allow it to just penetrate your heart of, man, what is the heart behind what I'm doing and who is this Christ that I want to follow? James is a, an amazing story of Jesus' brother who, who literally turned to understanding and believing him after the resurrection. So what a powerful journey he went on. Um, and I want to encourage you. Today, God wants to do something awesome. I want you to be used by God to, to do amazing things for the kingdom of God but not because of the fact that you want to be important, but because of the fact we want to make Jesus famous. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for this entire time. Thanks for being with us. And man, if this conversation has impacted you, do us a favor, would you share it? Would you let others know that this conversation is happening and that it's worthwhile listening to? Thanks for being with us. We can't wait for you to connect with us again on our next On the Couches.